Hey everybody, this is Dean of the Without Limits podcast, and I'm just breaking in real quick because we've got a little bit of an introduction here for this particular episode we're doing here between seasons. This was uh, my good buddy Matt's idea, and I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about what his thought process is here. Uh, he was actually on an episode of this podcast. What one was that, Matt? That was episode eight, Trace Decay. There you go. So you had a good idea, and this is an idea we float around forever, and we've just been really sloppy about getting around to and we finally are so tell them what they're about to listen to well yeah you know it's been something that we we talked about a while ago and i mean i the the idea dawned on me when the season ended and we get that glimpse into samurai world and everybody being like oh there's more worlds but if you'd seen the movie you were like yeah of course that's that's a big part of the original west world Movie And it got me wondering, well, hell, I wonder how many of our listeners who listen to our Westworld show don't know about the movie or haven't actually seen it. And we, on our science fiction film podcast, have covered it. And I still think it's a movie that holds up really well. I don't know about you, Dean. Last time we watched it, I fucking enjoyed the shit out of it. Yul Brynner as the fucking black gunman in his fucking terrifying gear. It's a great, fun movie. And it's also the only movie that Michael Crichton, for one, wrote the screenplay for and directed. He directed a movie, Westworld. So Michael Crichton did that. And uh, it's a it's a damn fine little piece of sci-fi. And so I what I wanted to do is give you guys this episode. It's a nice little, a little thing in between seasons because we all know how fucking long it's going to take for the next Westworld season to come out. It's going to be forever. So this is just a nice little piece of a, of our coverage of the original movie, which we had a ton of fun watching. And I would hope that everybody who hasn't seen it seeks it out. Uh, I mean, I think you can rent this on Amazon for like three bucks. Um, it's out there, and it's a great, a great fucking fun movie. And then also, if you like how me and Dean break this movie down, you can hear us do that with a whole lot more movies. Uh, I think, what, 215 episodes or so now, Dean? Yeah, easily. All of them. And I'm on a lot of them. Jessica's on a lot of them. And our boy Josh, a, a, a figure unknown yet in this feed still, uh, is, a, is another friend of ours who hosts episodes with us. So if you enjoy our coverage of the Westworld movie on this feed, maybe uh, maybe uh, hop over to the Science Fiction Film Podcast by LSG Media and listen to some other, other stuff. For sure. And if you're a Westworld fan, we're getting into, we just recorded a little Blade Runner primer. We're going to cover Blade Runner 2049. And um, I know that a bunch of you who listen to um, this podcast already know about the Science Fiction Film Podcast, but some of you might not because we don't always push that shit a lot. We're not always shoving it down your throat. And uh, maybe we should a little bit more because yeah. if you like us, there's plenty of content out there. So um, definitely enjoy this episode of Westworld the Film. I think we should shut the fuck up and, uh, and get to the Westworld pod. What do you think? Sexy robots. Cool. All right, let's get to the robots. So let's talk about Westworld. Michael Crichton, dude. Fuck yeah. And he was 30 years old when he wrote and directed this. He's putting, I, I've got five years to catch up and I think it's a pretty large gap. Yeah. He's, uh, look at this, huh? What's, I, listen, when I started to, I was like, oh, I'm going to do Westworld again. So here's, here's my brief history of Westworld. Westworld came across my eyes and ears when a good friend of mine in high school, we were freshmen or sophomore, uh, freshman or sophomore, it was 90, 91, right around there. And he said to me, have you seen this movie Westworld? And I said, no. And his name's Chris. 
So Chris, if you're listening, I appreciate you introduced me to Westworld and many other things actually in my formative high school years there. And uh, <laughs> I, we all, a group of us started to get into Western films. And I know you've made fun of me. You, you, you started to make fun of me for this, Matthew, but I, and I'll allow you to continue to when I say that my oh. introduction into Westerns started with a film called Young Guns. <laughs> <laughs> okay, get it out. Go ahead. Oh man, that's good. I mean, hey, that's not a bad. I actually like Young Guns. It's just God, of all the westerns, I know. <laughs> of all the fucking westerns, I don't know. I think Emilio Estevez is the staple of the American western, don't you? Him and Charlie Sheen and Lou Diamond <laughs> Phillips. Yeah, La Bamba. He's a fucking. There's a cowboy I can count on. Awesome. So yeah, I remember watching that and I really fell in love with the whole romance of it all. And like, I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I kind of went on a, uh, I went on a Western kind of watching spree and I wasn't, I didn't quite appreciate it as, as much as I do now. Like I watched Young Guns and then I watched The Outlaw Josie Wales, which is 925,000 times better (laughs) than Young Guns. But at the time I was like, this is fucking boring. I'm going to watch Young Guns again. You know, because Young Guns was <laughs> well, much. I had a much different attention span and a much different appreciation or lack thereof. There's no Guns and Roses on this soundtrack. <laughs> Jesus, Luis. No, not Guns and Roses. It's fucking Bon Jovi does the second Young Guns. Oh God. He does that whole song, "Shot Down in a Blaze of Glory" or something. I don't know the name of it. Oh God. Absolutely. <laughs> He praises Lord his soul to keep. That's what he does. Because, you know, he's just a fucking six-gun fighter. It's basically like the next the next version of Steel, uh, uh, you know, Wanted Dead or Alive there, that song. Oh, God, yeah. So that's how I started. And Westworld came along. And what we loved about Young Guns as kids was the fact that they said they had some pretty cool lines or some pretty cool moments of dialogue and just cool moments. And he's like, oh, you got to see Westworld. Uh, and, he, and he started to tell me about it. And I remember we, we got a, our hands on a VHS copy and we watched the shit out of it. And oh, we yeah. were really into like the outlaw gunslinger. That was like the thing we started to really get into, outlaw gunslingers. Oh, so cool. Look at him. This fucking mm-hmm. Yule Brenner goes in there and he starts talking shit as the gunslinger to these tourists and i was like oh this is great so that's you know that was like the it was like the perfect timing for me to watch westworld and then like so many things your tastes start to change you start getting into other things you start falling down these other rabbit holes in your life for years and you kind of forget about it admittedly i kind of started to forget about westworld and still until i started to get back even into this podcast and I started to hear HBO. I'm like, Westworld, what's that? And then I saw the picture and I said, holy shit, that's that fucking movie. That's the movie that where the, where the uh, you know, the theme park, they, they go crazy. It's a Westworld theme park. It was crazy. Holy shit. I can't wait to watch this movie. And I totally spaced the fact that it was Michael Crichton. I saw it. Well, fuck man, this is this guy's thing. Jurassic park, Westworld theme park's gone bad. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it's crazy to think about like, all, and I remember, like, we used to say the shit out of the lines in high school. You know, that's a long time ago for me. And I forgot <laughs> what they were. And as soon as he said them, I said, of course, of course, that's what he <laughs> says. You know, it's so it was just it was just a really cool experience to go back and rewatch Westworld and to get myself ready for the HBO series and to, uh, you know, kind of appreciate the movie for what it was. But, yeah, that's. That's kind of my history with it. How about you? Or, or when do you do you recall the first time you saw it? Or tell me a little bit about your experience with Westworld. 
Yeah, you know, again, this is one of those times where I saw it uh, really young. But what's funny about that, it's one of those movies now where you talk to to people, and if you mention, oh, Westworld, you've seen Westworld, a lot of people are like, what? What? I don't know. I don't know what that is. Like, it's, it's to the point where for some people it's a classic, and for others it's kind of starting to slip away into forgotten territory, which I think is a sin for this movie because I think it holds up super well. Um, but I saw it when I was probably like 10 years old. Um, and I think we, we just rented it from the library. I think I just liked the cover. My mom had maybe seen it. I remember getting it and just loving it, like loved it at a young age. So for me, it's always been like a classic of sci-fi that I've always gone back to and thought it was great. I've seen it a couple of times now. Um, but yeah, really young. And I did, I can't remember what I was trying to think before we, we started recording here, whether I saw Westworld first or the Magnificent Seven first. I, I saw them both around the same time. Guarantee my granddad sat me down to watch the Magnificent Seven. But uh, it's so funny because the characters that Yul Brynner plays uh, in these movies are practically identical, like visually, but a thousand percent different as characters. And he just fucking nails them both. But uh, yeah, for me, it's weird. For me, this is like I was saying, one of those movies that's it's up there with like Oh, it's hard to think think of a good like equivalent, but it's a classic in my own personal canon of sci-fi. Like Westworld to me is a pretty big deal, whereas I think to a lot of people they've never even seen it. Yeah. You know, I I um I when we get into it, I really enjoyed it, but there's a couple of moments where I I thought to myself, "Hmm." And and I'm looking forward <laughs> to talking about that because I really enjoyed the movie, of course, and I remember when I first saw it in high school, I fucking loved the shit out of it. You know, it was just yeah. like we could not say this guy's lines enough times to each other. We'd be sitting down on the couch playing, you know, Street Fighter 2 on the fucking uh, SNES or whatever, you know, beating the shit out of each other for hours on end and be saying shit like, I think he needs his mama. Psh, fucking sure you can uppercut. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like shit like oh, that. Yeah. It was like we watched the shit out of this movie, man. And it's weird to think of how much I watched it and how I totally forgotten so much of it. Like, like so often happens when you're going back and watching these old films, you start to unlock these doors in your mind that have these, like these groupings of memories all tied into one thing. You know, I I remember that really distinctly, but it was weird because it was like in cold storage, you know, (laughs) (laughs) haven't walked down these pathways in a while. No, not at all, man. But yeah, I um, I guess uh, so. Crichton wrote and directed it, and there was not a book first. This was an original screenplay, which I think is is awesome. Obviously, a lot different from Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally different concept from Jurassic Park. But no, I think he even wrote the novelization of the movie after the fact. But I. Uh, yeah, and evidently he didn't even want to do sci-fi first off. Like he he did this because he was like it was the only way for a movie studio to give him uh, the director's chair for a movie. Sci-fi was the way for him. Sci-fi was the way for him. Well, how about that? How do you know? <laughs> I was thinking about this movie as we as I was watching it. I thought to myself, here's the problem when you have a guy like Yul Brenner or Hugh or however the fuck he says it, Yul Brenner <laughs> on in your movie. You you want him to defeat everyone, right? <laughs> I'm sharing for him the whole time. In fact, I just put a little Instagram video up where I said, you know, I said I'm just finishing watching this, and uh, I can't stand this this character. This I call him shitty Freddie Mercury, <laughs> and I wish you Brenner would just kill him and be done with it. I wish he would just gun this guy down. And I was thinking of that the whole time I was watching it. I was like, I want him to win, you know. And when I first watched it again, and he goes into that bar and we have that first scene. 
and they blow him away. I was like, what the fuck? I don't remember this happening. I thought he did cool shit in this movie. Do you know what I mean? See, that's again, that's one of the things I really like about this movie because they're playing, they're dallying so much in like very well-trod genres that we all know, the classic Westerns, the, uh, you know, the classic medieval movies and everything. And so like, they're kind of poking fun at these things and changing the expectations. And I love how, I mean, like, yeah, you look at Yul Brynner, the moment he walks in, you're like, well, this is just the badass motherfucker who's going to kill every one but uh right off he just gets gunned down by the biggest dork of the movie oh man he's such a dork but uh yeah let's let's do this let's let's just jump right into that moment because goddamn it deserves to be jumped into let's have a listen we've 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 teased you guys long enough okay we don't want to uh we don't want to edge you along too long have a listen sloppy with your drink get this boy a bib he needs his mama You talk too much. You say something, boy. I said you talk too much. I had to make me shut up. And then you get the classic fucking tables and bar stools sliding out of the way. As everyone gets the fuck out of the way. (laughs) Even... James Brolin character hops over the bar. Yeah, he's like, yeah, okay, have fun with this. And then <laughs> and then this fucking guy d- outdraws him. I was like, what is happening? Why is this <laughs> happening? I don't remember this part. Peter is his name, by the way. Peter is the shitty Freddie Mercury. And then there's John, who's who I like a lot. Yeah, yeah, he, he cuts a good cowboy. Yeah, just look at him for crying out loud. He's beautiful. <laughs> great great bone structure man <laughs> okay again you've been watching too many young guns cowboy movies <laughs> nice you can tell he'd be a good cowboy he's pretty <laughs> yeah he's uh he's uh <laughs> hey well hey you know come on now clint eastwood was a handsome devil ah uh, but he was ruggedly handsome like a the face of a leather bag though <laughs> he's like i think we're gonna go to bed whether you like it or not <laughs> You know, that charming kind of rape vibe. <laughs> yeah, the, the charming one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, that's that's the thing. Robo Yul Brenner is not uh, invincible. I guess not. And this the the whole the whole lead up to this, the whole the whole beginning of this movie with is just nuts. Like you we have that interview in the beginning of the film. And we start to realize that they have three places, Roman world, uh, medieval world, and then, of course, we have, <laughs> we have uh, what's the third one there? <laughs> Western world. <laughs> you know, the movie. <laughs> the movie. You know, the one you're covering, you fucking dummy. <laughs> but, uh, and so I was thinking, I had so many questions, like, because I hadn't seen it in so long. I was like, okay, so they have real guns. They're talking about the Colt 45s you're going to have, the very one he shoots you Brenner up with in the beginning here. And he's asking him about fanning the hammer, like all these Western, like, you know, single shot, single action revolver tricks and shit, like all these cowboy tricks he's asking him about. Yeah. You know right away Peter is new at this and John's an old pro, right? John's been there before. He's like, you get the impression he's bringing his friend there because his friend went through a fucking rough divorce, right? Is that that what you're picking up on? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Peter's Peter's character is obviously the guy who who needs the vacation. Like James is like just taking him along for the ride. But uh, but yeah, no, he's he's a total noob. He's he's troubling to me. That's that was my main complaint with the movie was I can't get behind this Peter character. Like he didn't do it for me. I didn't love him too much. But maybe I wasn't supposed to. You know exactly. Yeah. Part of the point of of what the film is saying, which 
part of me thinks like, you know, be careful of the trust you put in these machines. Be careful how you use these machines for profit. You know, $1,000 a day, you got that that Delos commercial, which kicks off the movie, you know, and uh, it, it kind of gets you under an impression as to what kind of feelings that is kicking up here. And actually, let's have a listen to that. Hi, Ed Renfrew for Dallas again. At Dallas, you get your choice of the vacation you want. There's medieval world, Roman world, and of course, West world. Let's talk to some of the people who've been there. Pardon me, sir. What is your name? Uh, Gardner Lewis. Just got back from Westworld. Tell us how you liked it, Mr. Lewis. When you played cowboys and Indians as a kid, you'd point your fingers and go bang, bang, and the other kid would lie down and pretend dead. Well, Westworld is the same thing, only it's for real. I, I shot six people. Well, uh, they weren't real people. And that's kind of what we're getting to, right? Yes. See, exactly. That's the thing where it's obviously... Crichton likes the the thematic setting of like a theme park and our, our trust in technology and science failing us when we're kind of indulging in something we we shouldn't be necessarily. But I think what this movie focuses more on, it, whereas like, you know, Jurassic Park's a movie about, oh, we have scientific power over nature, but that we don't have that power as much as we think we do and it blows back up in our face. This is almost more like letting ourselves indulge in the primal like desire for violence that blows back up back in your face because they've made machines to just be victims for themselves. And then when those machines, uh, you know, like like Ewell Brenner's robot, when that thing turns, it was, of course, how of the, this is exactly how you made it behave. You made an assassin. And like that, I think the larger thing, the larger theme of this movie is just human violence and trying to turn it into some pastime. Like that's really fucked up when you get down to the heart of it. It is an interesting concept, isn't it? Because don't we kind of satiate some of our monkey DNA already by things, by playing things like <laughs> Grand Theft Auto or fucking Call yeah. of Duty or satiating that desire for competition or or uh, or stuff like that in a in a consequence free environment uh, in a way that that might be good for your human DNA that might that might be good for you. I think there's um I think there's a I think sometimes we get so preoccupied with the evolving human that we start to forget our nature and the things that make us who we are. And you know I think it's kind of cool the idea of a theme park to where you can go and kind of run amok and it, it, I couldn't help but thinking about like the idea of like a role playing like that's exactly what this is like yeah exactly except instead of a bunch of guys sitting down at a table and, and taking on the roles of characters and throwing dice these guys are fucking out there shooting at these robots it's exactly what it is it's that exact form of escapism except there doesn't seem to be, seem to be any kind of like scenario which is where it differs from say a tabletop game or, or even something like mass effect there's no real scenario you're playing through you're just they just go there and fucking go bonkers you know it's like what do you <laughs> yeah. guys what's the what do you i think that's i think that would make it more interesting if it was kind of like a how to host a murder mystery and you had this whole town set up like this is like a dream of mine if i was one of those like multi-billion dollar people i would make like <laughs> a fake town and have these crazy scenarios for people to play out in and fucking ATVs and I, I always said I would have like a like a World of Warcraft themed uh, World of Warcraft World uh, um Jesus Christ a Walking Dead themed like <laughs> Outback or something it would be so cool like oh yeah yeah gotcha and I've always thought of like wouldn't that be the ultimate in amusement park fun the ability to to not only experience different things but to be different things you know the whole total recall thing what's the same thing about every vacation matthew you are yes that's the point <laughs> how do we make you a different person that's why things like role playing that's why things like 
this escapism that we do, we, we, you know, imagine if you could, and I'm telling you, man, this is where we're fucking going with all this Oculus Rift shit. It's not (laughs) going to be, do you want to watch Game of Thrones? It's going to be like, do you want to experience Game of Thrones? Put this fucking thing on your head and walk around the Sept of Baelor while Jamie talks to Cersei. Like that's, what's going to fucking start happening in our entertainment over the next 20 and 30 years. Like if you start thinking about it, this shit's so far ahead of its time, man. That's what's so it fascinating about this movie and that's what's going to happen with entertainment you're going to be not you don't you're not going to watch you're not going to it's not going to be passive anymore it's going to be it's going to be an active participation in this story and that's what makes that's why shit like role-playing games and all that shit and, and how it's how they've evolved into these amazing computer games they're way ahead of the curve on this whole idea like they've been doing that forever like now these now that technology is growing they're starting to think about ways they can do it for the average person for everyone to kind of get into you know you're not just watching a show you're not just reading a book you're fucking in the book man like that's what's cool about westworld that's what's cool about the idea of that stuff is is really getting into that and that's why i always joke around and i say you know star trek the next generation is great on paper but it would fail utterly because nobody would leave the fucking holodeck like they would never fucking leave (laughs) they'd be plowing deanna troy all fucking day You know what I'm saying? That would just be it. That would be it. <laughs> anyway, I pardon my uh, technology rant, but that's, but I think about like, when I think about Westworld and I think about like these different escapes and, you know, the, the idea of being a passive observer versus being an active participant. Uh, and, and you see how active part, how even passive participation starts to be insanity. Like watch a fucking sports game. People, myself included, <laughs> yeah. myself included, go fucking bonkers. I'm not playing. I'm not contributing to the victory. I can pretend I am because my cheers matter, but really <laughs> I'm not. But I get so wrapped up in watching grown men play what is essentially a game because, and I'm not ashamed of that. And I just think that that's part of our nature, you know, to kind of get wrapped up in that and and it's cool, you know, so. I agree. And I, and I think that's why this movie works is because, and I, I love the way they structured it. I, 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 I know I'm biased, but I think leave it to a writer to make a very well fucking structured movie. But um, like they opening, the fact that it opens with essentially a, a commercial, like what we would see on YouTube today, promoting the fucking resort. And I think it works because Westworld does look fucking cool as shit. I'll admit it as much as I was saying that all the problematic violence of like it's tapping into our worst tendencies in certain ways and that's true i still want to go to a gun battle in a western town and do that that's fucking dope as shit like that's awesome and i, I think it lures us in that way like it, it works on that level because yeah this stuff is fun we all want to indulge in those fantasies like i think if this place were real it's people wouldn't watch Westworld as a warning and go, oh, you know what? I'm not going to go there. We all we all know that's going to go bad. Hell no. People would be buying their tickets tomorrow. Absolutely. And there's always going to be fucked up people, right, Matthew? I mean, that's the reality. It doesn't. <laughs> there's always going to yeah. be fucked up people, right? Vlad the Impaler existed before Grand Theft Auto did. Okay, he didn't. See, be, <laughs> right. That's one thing I wanted to talk about too. Actually, was like, what do they do? Like, what are the park regulations? All the guys who are watching in Westworld, uh, you know, all the technicians who are like over seeing making sure shit's running okay you know if a machine goes crazy oh that's one thing what do you do with the guy who pays for his ticket comes on into town they give him his guns give him his outfit he gets to the hotel and then he walks downstairs and just blows the bartender away laughing his ass off walks up shoots the first woman he sees and just starts shooting everybody and we're like well he's not 
breaking the rules. He's just shooting robots. But this shit is fucked up to watch. Like, he's just indulging his serial killer bloodlust. Like, you know, like, what do you do with that guy? That's where that's where I think the movie fails us a little bit in that because there's such a lack of structure, like like if if you and I, right, if you and I go to the saloon and we're fucking tanked and we just run around town blowing everyone away, aren't we ruining someone else's vacation? <laughs> true. Fucking true. There's it's not like it's just two guys per fucking like village or whatever you want to call it. Just blow one woman away and one guy's like, that was my hooker bot. I was totally gonna bang that. That that's what it would become, you know. I'd be like, fuck the robots. Let's fuck the people by fucking up their robots. <laughs> And then again, I mean, I, got, I know they have the uh, the heat sensing pistols in here, so you can't shoot another person. But what's what if in one of the bar fights, two customers start beating the shit out of each other and kill one another in a bar fight? Like what? What then? <laughs> Jesus, right? There's so many like crazy like that's again like indulging in that like scary level of human violence. I'm like this it couldn't just go bad from the start. Like it doesn't take much. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about, man. Because like like I was saying a minute ago, there's always going to be the crazy fucking people, right? You're you're going to get a guy that that brings a robot back to his uh, back to you know he's going to be a fucking Roman world. He's going to take uh, some some uh, wench from the bathhouse back to his little uh, flat or wherever the fuck he is in some Roman town. He's going to fucking chop her head off and, you know, go knuckles up on her face. Like that, that's just fucking, there's going to be fucked up people, but that guy would have been fucked up anyway. You know, the park didn't make him crazy. And that's my point. Vlad the Impaler existed before video games. So there's always going to be psycho fucks and they're going to do weird shit, but I'll be the first to admit I've played violent game upon violent game my whole fucking life. You and I have talked at length how we've both watched movies we should never have had any interest in watching when we were kids <laughs> with extreme violence. I've fucking handled firearms. I've done all kinds of shit. And guess what? I ain't fucking shooting anybody, dude. I have no interest in applying harm to anyone. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's not in, in, you know, I've played the fucking Grand Theft Autos. I've done all the dumb shit because I can differentiate right from wrong. Like that, for, for whatever reason, I don't know. I'm not a fucking scientist. I don't know why I can. I just know I can. And that's that. But you're still going to get the weirdo who goes to Westworld and does fucked up shit, you know? <laughs> that's not doing it because they're trying to be funny or goof off. But but that's what I'm saying. Like, what happens if like you and I go there and we're hammered and we just start ruining everyone's vacation? <laughs> he bought the VIP sadist pass. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Hey, who knows? Maybe that's how they keep uh, their fucking serial killers off the street. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah, it's a, it's a cool concept. And that's what I like. That's what's so fascinating about Westworld. Conceptually, I really just enjoy it. And uh, Absolutely. And, but this fucking shitty Freddie Mercury, I can't. <laughs> He makes it hard. Well, I like, see, that's, the, again, I think I like how the movie kind of uh, undermines expectations because right away, right when you see them even get into the uh, the cowboy outfits and everything and they, they get into the hotel and all that stuff, like, uh, you know, James Brolin's character, he's just so obviously enjoying it. He's comfortable in it. He He's leaning into the bar with a cigarette in his mouth. He's already starting to talk that way. He looks like a fucking Clint Eastwood cowboy. Uh, and Peter right away is just like, oh, I don't know, this feels kind kind of like a joke like it doesn't he can't like get into it yet and i it's interesting that you know he's the character who becomes the protagonist because 
he isn't a fucking cowboy. And I think that's the point. Like, he is so thoroughly not an actual cowboy. He's a kind of customer who would buy a ticket for a theme park. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 and I can't help but not go back to my early roots of playing RPGs where the new guy at the table would be like, oh, oh like, weirded out, like, not sure what to do. It's a fucking same thing. Like, yeah. fucking John, the, 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 the the Brolin character has been playing forever. This is his new buddy. He's trying to bring him along. He's trying to give, show him the ropes, teach him what he can and can't do, which is basically whatever he wants. And, and, and John tells him multiple times, whatever you want. And yeah. uh, he eggs him on. He eggs him on in that, in that scene with the gunslinger. He's like, you're going to let him, you know, you should just blow him away. Just fucking shoot him. You know, <laughs> yeah, like his line is just kill him. <laughs> Uh, I was like, God damn, man. <laughs> it's at this point where, you know, after he blows the guy away, we see, like you say, we see the, they satiate. And, and that's, I think what Michael Crichton is saying is, is that these, they're just sort of satiating base desire on these robots, right? It's yeah. murder and sex. That's all it's really about, which is, sounds kind of serial killer-ish. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. When you think about all the activities they, you know, actually indulge in, it's like the right off, you know, right once they get to the hotel, he just gets there, gets into a gunfight with Yul Brynner's character, kills him. Uh, if not too long after that, they're in a bar fight. Like, it's not like they're like, oh, let's just, let's ride our horses into the mountains and get a cool view and do some hiking. Like, no, no, no. Like, let's just kill people and fuck hooker bots. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and to, and, and, uh, and again, to, to talk about, it'd be like if you sat down to play a game with all your friends, an RPG game, whatever, pick a fucking game, and one one kid at the table is just like, can I rape her? Can I kill him? Can I rape her? And you're like, dude, you, you can't play anymore. You're done. Fucking throw your character yeah, sheet away. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. We don't want you around here. That's kind of like what you're saying. So if I, if I apply it in that way, I can definitely see your logic. Like if this, if the guy, if that's all he wanted to do, I'd be like, all right, put your fucking dice in your little baggie and get the fuck out of here. Cause you're, cre- you're creeping me right out, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like Seriously. And I've known fucking people like that. So that just goes to show you. But uh, and then uh, so yeah. Speaking of that indulgent, let's have a let's have a listen to their next stop. The fellow's new in town. Yep. Whiskey. Just passing through. Maybe. Looking for some fun. Maybe. Well, you come to the right place. There's plenty of fun here. Gotta love the innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of fun what i'm trying to say is these girls will suck your dick okay can we, can we stop being around the bush here speaking of very thick and obvious innuendo i love when they anytime they talk about because we really only get to see uh west world and um medieval world you only get a small glimpse at roman world but i love their description of it they're like enjoy the sensual loose morality okay we get it yes you can get into an orgy here at the fucking roman world like that's what we're all here for a gangbang and i wrote down that chick's name that he interviews janet lane in her roman world experience she's basically just saying she got fucked harder than adia of the adia of the julii in rome oh julius caesar plowed me it was wonderful yes right oh there was a bunch of roman centurions and they just lined up and they all (laughs) took turns pounding me into the night great well that's good Uh, wonderful you had a great time next customer please (laughs) great i'm gonna be sore for weeks whoof those romans (laughs) oh my god it's they sure are as constant as the northern star (laughs) yeah i don't know but it's funny that 
it's funny how the guys were like, I shot six people. And the girl's like, I got fucked by 12 guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's good shit. So what are they trying to say? All housewives want to swing over to Rome and get plowed by the uh, fucking Roman army? <laughs> Obviously, Dean. Duh. But yeah, the medieval one, I was like, well, what do they go there for? What, what are they satiating there? <laughs> Westworld's murder. Stabbing and poking yeah. once again. <laughs> I guess, absolutely. <laughs> but I like that too. Speaking of, the, just a, a quick aside of like the way he structured it, I like that we get the other character who went to medieval world as like kind of another shorter example of the slow degradation of what goes wrong with the, the systems. And he's the first to actually get it for that. And he deserved it. He was a prick. I hated that guy. He came with his wife and he was just like, I am only here to bang a queen. Which That's I it. don't mind if you and your wife have this thing, but he just rubbed me the wrong way. He was a creep show. I don't, he, he, was. he was a real horror show. Something about him didn't, didn't do it for me. I don't know. We'll get to him. That bastard. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, could Peter be any more anti-sexual? <laughs> I know. He's like, and now what's funny, I thought he was saying at first when he gets, when they, they actually, you know, get the prostitutes and they go to their rooms and stuff and Peter's laying in bed while she's undressing. He's all like, you know, I've never been with, uh, uh, and I was expecting him to be like, you know, a prostitute or whatever, but he kind of implies that he's just never slept with anyone who wasn't his wife. He's like, I just, we only just met and all. I, uh, after the marriage ceremony, I went up to the marriage suite for three pumps and had a little boy. <laughs> three pumps pulled my pants up. Thank you very much, ma'am. <laughs> Going to brush my teeth, take a bath and call you in the morning. I don't know why he's British all of a sudden. I, I don't know, know why so shitty okay. Freddie Mercury has now a shitty British accent. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was he was just a weirdo. It, he's just like ah, oh, I'm so nervous. Oh, Meanwhile, fucking Brolin's uh, flipping that girl into twenty six different positions. I'm sure. <laughs> I know. Asking for three more to join in. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Oh shit. And then afterwards, he says this. By the way, have a listen, John. Hmm? This place is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> For my wiener. <laughs> John. <laughs> she touched me down there. <laughs> oh my God. I so didn't funny. even have to pay her. <laughs> I don't know why he's got a shitty Boston accent now. <laughs> We're running through them all right now, brother. We're on fire. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, Johnny, yeah. let me ask you something real quick, guy. Hey, come over here. What happens when she touched me down there? I didn't expect that, dude. It was like it was bleeding or something. It was crazy, guy. So, yeah, I don't know. It was uh, this, this character. I can't. Oh, God. But we start to get inklings of doom, don't we, when we start to talk about a pretty radical concept. Have a listen. Well, despite our corrections, the breakdown rate continued to climb. Then medieval world began to have trouble. Now we're seeing more Western world breakdowns. And there's a clear pattern here which suggests an analogy to an infectious disease process spreading from one resort area to the next. Perhaps there are superficial similarities to disease. It's only a theoretical concept. There are many ways to order that data. Damn. Mm. That's cutting edge, man. A computer virus? It's 1973, isn't it? Definitely. And I mean, it makes it makes sense. So they talk about, you know, I think even in that same scene of how, you know, these machines are so complicated that they even have to be partially, at least, designed and built by other computers. And they're like, we don't 
full it's not like a car where it's like here's the engine here's what this part is da 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 they're like no we know how to make these things run the full ins and outs of all of their workings we don't really know like we they're kind of that that's what's so interesting about the robots is that they're almost human in the sense of we still don't know exactly what makes them tick like that alone is kind of scary when you think that they're employing these things around people and it's like you don't we can't predict them. We have algorithms they're supposed to work by, but that's not a guarantee. I want to see the meeting between the guy who's pitching this theme park and the insurance company that's going to insure them. Oh, seriously. He's like, oh my God. hey, uh, it looks here. Let me just, let me get, let me go through this here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. It looks like you're going to be using uh, actual firearms. <laughs> With real bullets, right? Is that what I'm understanding? Everyone's going to have those? Okay. And we're going to rely on heat sensors. So based on what I'm looking at, and there's really no scenarios here, really no rules, that there's going to be a lot of stray bullets flying around, whether or not you can target a person. Is that what I'm trying to understand here? (laughs) Right? Everyone's going to be wielding single action 45 Colts, which you know are pretty easy to handle if you have zero firearms training, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, as for my second question, are there any sword fighting classes these people will be taking, or are you just handing them a broadsword and saying good luck? These are <laughs> foils, right? Oh, it says here you're going to have flails <laughs> and swords and axes. Okay, great. You know, like, <laughs> what the fuck? And wait a second. These robots are also going to carry firearms as well? Um, oh, but don't worry. They they have a temperature gauge that keeps them from squeezing away the life of an actual human being. <laughs> <laughs> right? Jesus Christ, man. <sighs> oh, it's crazy. I don't think I'm going to insure you guys. You're going to have to go with somebody else. <laughs> Try Wells Fargo down the street. <laughs> right. So uh, moving right along. Where where are we? What's the next thing that happens? Well, now, oh, oh, I remember. I love this little scene. Yule Renner's character shows back up again after being repaired the night before uh, and just basically corners James Brolin in his room, which is a weird... I guess he just does that. Uh, they, you know, he's a programmed to instigate gunfights. Like that's his role. Like he goes around pissing people off and being scary in order to make duels happen. But uh, this is the beginning of his malfunction. I think I was about to say, yeah. And that's yeah, that happens right after we get that really crazy scene with Delos, right? Don't we have that? Where they go out into the streets, they pick up all the bodies. Oh, true. That's right. It's a really long sequence, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like. Everyone's cozy in their beds. I love that sequence, yeah. Not a word is said forever. And that's another thing about this movie. I, um, I'm i really impressed that Michael Crichton, when he did this as a screenplay, had such a visual style, like like you were saying, for a, for a narrator, for, for a narrative writer, for a writer of fiction. You know, he didn't, he didn't overly, he didn't try to get voiceovers. He didn't try to, he was very visual in that there's not a lot of dialogue that's really significant in the film. Yeah, the only scenes are those, those those scenes where that main, the lead technician is talking a little bit about, oh, what's going wrong. But yeah, the rest is like, it's it's very, it is very visual. And I liked it, those stark contrasts, you know. And it, it's kind of like, it actually is like Disney World. Like, you know, a lot of people know about like the famous tunnels underneath Disney World where they actually have all the operations running around. And that's the same thing. They have these little manholes where you can go down into these areas and there's just this entire network under there doing all of this stuff. And that's another thing too. Another thing it, <laughs> the insurance agent probably would have taken issue with, he's like, okay, so you're saying you have state-of-the-art 
Android, Android technology, and you are going to let people pump 45 rounds into them every fucking day? You couldn't just give them blanks and let the robots have, you know, uh, squibs in them? Like, really? Right, that's a great point. Like, they're fucking blasting them with 45 rounds. <laughs> every single, the most overworked people at, at, at this entire Delos facility are the people fucking fixing up these robots every single night. Absolutely. Especially with the amount of just madness you see, like, because like we've already established, John's an old pro, and he's just like, yeah, shoot him, shoot him. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, break stuff, man. Go ahead. Yeah, fucking break shit. Just keep breaking shit all day long. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> what an expensive. P.S. This is a terrible and financial investment. It's only a thousand dollars a day. <laughs> For sure doesn't cover the cost of operating this place. Because oh, how many people can you get into town? Even if you get, even if you make five grand a day. Yeah. Right. Because if it's a thousand a day, they're not buying like food. Right. They're not, they, they, you know, because to, to, you can't break the illusion. That's all going to be part of it. They must give them like coins to use and stuff. So, yeah, yeah they got to up their prices, man. Jesus. Oh, yeah. And I guess that's 1970s idea of of expensive. So I bet now it's probably like what? That would be like nine, ten thousand dollars somewhere. Maybe a little less. Take take about three percent average inflation times however many years it is. And there you go. <laughs> Welcome to crunching numbers with Dean and Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fucking school you fools in economics. So yeah, I don't know. But uh, I did like that uh, right before that scene where where uh, the gunslinger hunts him down that, you know, it's it's interesting. And that's when they give us the breakdown rate, the, the clip already played. It's just cool, man. You start to go, whoa, things aren't, things aren't really going well here. There's some issues. But yeah. I like the whole behind the scenes, we get a little bit of the whole resort thing and, and uh and one of the first real, uh, what's interesting, I guess, androids that actually, I don't know how you would say it, but like refuses, refuses to do what it's programmed to do, is that girl at the medieval world that uh, that douchebag tries to seduce, and uh, she won't let him, and and they're they're all offended. They're like, she refused his advances. That's not on. That's not what's supposed to happen. Creep show. Have a listen. How long have you been in the palace, Daphne? Since I was three, my lord. Charming. I think we ought to get to know each other better, Daphne. Better, my lord? I can reward you well. My lord. Daphne. <laughs> my lord. <laughs> Daphne. My lord forgets himself. Yeah. So a couple things. Daphne. You're a smoke show, but goddamn, you are a terrible, terrible actress. <laughs> my lord forgets himself. My lord, you totally can't touch my boobs right now. Okay, <laughs> so stop it. Really, is that your that's your English wench voice? You're a fucking android. Come on. <laughs> oh my god! But I just love that. Like the technicians are like, oh, she exerted free will. How dare she? <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. So uh, yeah, let's talk about the uh, moment when your gunslinger shows up at their house and uh, gets hammered again. Take me through it. Oh, I love that scene because you get the you get the sense like like what you mentioned earlier. Like this is kind of the beginning of him going wrong because. 
their earlier, you know, encounter with him, it's in public, it's at this bar. And like, you get the sense like that's supposed to happen. Like it's dramatic, it's exciting. It's very movie like, but uh, this is very unlike it already. The way he enters the room feels off. Like it feels like that's not something an Android's supposed to be doing. You know, he enters gun first quietly. He doesn't say a fucking word to him in that scene either. That was also really interesting earlier. It's like that programmed taunting. It probably is supposed to do. And this time it's just silent and staring and kind of grinning at him. But uh, then our our beloved shitty uh, F- Freddie Mercury comes and kicks the door open, which I love this whole slow motion scene. I thought that was fantastic when he blows him away and sends him hurtling out the window again. Yeah, it sounded a little bit like this. Classic. Love it. <laughs> yeah, blasts him out of the window, which is kind of cool. But, you know, I like your point. He goes into the room. He could have blasted John, but he didn't. So the android at this point, I think we are supposed to believe, based on the scene prior, that malfunctions are starting to occur more regularly. And he's in their room. He doesn't go after John because Peter's the one who shot him. He waits for him, you know? Exactly. Yeah, he's like setting it up in order to get uh, Peter, the guy from before. It's like he's already holding a weird grudge. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, unfortunately, he gets blasted out of there. <laughs> unfortunately. I, you just want Yul Brenner to kill all of them. Yep, I do. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and then he gets arrested. Yeah, that, I thought that was funny. I guess... You know, that's one of those things where I'm like, well, that would blow in your fantasy. Like, oh, what I got to spend a night in jail now. And I guess, of course, it's designed to be able to be broken out of or whatever. Right. And that's what I mean. I think I think that I think it could benefit from a bit of a scenario, a bit of a, you know, what do we do next? Scavenger hunt kind of feel. Look, I I get the whole sandbox thing. But like I said, it's kind of tough if depending on how they're going to respond. Unless that's what you're looking for, you know? Like, because even in the beginning of the film, he's like, boy, these, this isn't comfortable. And, and, and Peter's complaining. And he's like, and John's like, it's authentic though. Yeah. And I, I just got to ask, what the hell did uh, James Brolin's character get Peter that would, in such a small package, that would blow off an entire wall of the jailhouse? Like, it looked like an envelope. I think it was a thermal detonator. <laughs> I think so. That's like the only thing. It must have been TNT. No, it was un. He he brought a food. Let's first of all, let's talk about the sheriff who's like, yeah, Judge Benson's coming to town. He likes to hang him high. And you're like, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> right, Dav? All part of the program, right? Right. Sometimes. <laughs> not gonna <laughs> not actually gonna hang me. Right? Not gonna hang me, right? <laughs> and uh, he he has that girl go in. She looks like Pocahontas. I he, know. He has yeah. this girl waddle in there. And uh, he has like a food tray that the guy brings him. You know, he's been in jail five minutes. He gets a food yeah. tray and he just kind of haphazardly lifts up the little white napkin and just glances at a small portion of what's under it rather than revealing the whole thing like a sheriff would do. Yeah. And I'm. it had to be dynamite or TNT. Had to be, right? Which is going to cause issues with the insurance company. Uh, again. Oh, now, okay. Not only we're fixing robots every night, we got to pay to filks, fix the fucking building. Uh, let me ask you something shitty, Freddie Mercury. Are you qualified to handle demolitions? <laughs> That too. We had a tourist blow themselves and two robots up. That's going to shut us down for a while. (laughs) Whoopsie. How are we going to spin this in marketing? (laughs) 
right. Jesus. What about the guy you lobotomized? You know, did he get a refund? (laughs) So let's see. (laughs) I like, so they escape and then I'm like, okay, now what's going to happen with their programming? What's going to, now how's the rest of their vacation go? They just ride off into the fucking, into the plateaus, into the plains. They're going to hang out out there for a little while. Yeah. I guess they, they sit there and they decide that, Hey, I guess we're outlaws now and there's no law in the town. We killed the sheriff. <laughs> yeah. It's quite simply, by the way, <laughs> why did yeah. they kill the sheriff? Is that like, like, you know, like <laughs> he was just stopping you because you guys are shooting people. I guess, you know, he did run outside. I can't remember if he pulled a gun on them or not. But yeah, James Rowland's character didn't hesitate to just plug him. No, he did not. And <laughs> here is something that I thought was really cool about this moment in the uh, in the film, and that's when they go out. What one of the things this film does is it is it continually cuts to a, a really kind of weak subplot involving the medieval world just to give us a taste of more stuff. And I don't know if this was set up for a sequel because obviously they could have done three fucking movies, right? Yeah, on each of the theme parks. But we have this constant conversation about medieval world. And uh, I like it because I like to see some of it, even though it doesn't really matter in the overall scheme of the film. It's it's kind of like filler. Yeah. We see, uh, we get this particular line of, of dialogue, which I thought was interesting. His sight is weak in his left eye. Stay to his left and you will prevail and win the day. Confirmation of the reprogramming of that black knight for left lateral weakness and instability for tomorrow. When I thought about this, I thought, here is something that video games just can't do. Mm, you can't yeah. go. You first of all, it, they're all they're, they're they're limited only in the scope of their dialogue. Even a sophisticated game like Mass Effect, you have all these different conversation bubbles you can pick, and all these different. Yeah a lot of different combinations based on, you know, sub answers and and just the, the, the mushrooming out of the fucking choices you can make, but there's still a finite number. Mm -hmm. The cool thing about this is that the, they are essentially, they are kind of in a, to use a, to use an RPG term, a tabletop RPG term running the game. So like they hear a piece of dialogue and they adjust the programming on the fly. That's fucking so cool. Right. Yeah. So yeah. they bring something up and then they adjust the world accordingly. That never will happen in a video game. Not not right now. It won't like I can't be like, oh, what if I do this? The game isn't going to be different for me. Mass Effect 3 is going to be the same for Matthew and me and everybody else. I mean, True. you might take different paths, but there's still only a certain amount of paths. It's not going to be a complete unique experience. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's so cool about it. It can adjust. Like they can say whatever they want. Like, oh, he brought up this person's father. And they're like, oh, build a subroutine real quick about how his father does this. And I was going to make him that. And boom, boom, boom. It's like a live running of the game. And that's what's so cool about this. The programmers sitting there and watching, like that's their job. Like they make live updates, which is so cool. That's what makes exactly. it. That's such so intriguing. And I didn't even realize that until I started really listening to them making those on-the-fly adjustments to sort of build this into their story, even though they don't really have one, you know? Yeah, and a big part of it, and I think it's a it's a flaw, one of the biggest flaws uh, in the story or in just kind of like the characters of some of the, of just of the Delos people, I guess, is that, you know, in that situation with you know, in the medieval world, when they're talking about, the oh, you're going to have this fight with the Black Knight, they're building in 
weaknesses and disadvantages on the part of the robot so that the guests will be safe, that they can always win, and that's part of it. And uh, with Yul Brynner's, uh, you know, assassin cowboy character, one of his weaknesses that we see right off is that he's programmed to be slow on the draw. He picks a fight, and the guest is almost always going to be faster than him and gun him down. And what's so weird about that, like, they, you know, that's a very obvious flaw they've programmed him into him so that the guest always wins. Later on, when they're fixing him for, like, the second or third time, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm also updating him to have fucking supervision and super hearing because I don't know, like, why would you do – this is, like, the most powerful character already in the town. It's, like, the assassin fucking robot, and all they do is just, like, upgrade him. It reminds me of the Star Trek Next Gen episode where Data – tells the holodeck to override the safety features to make a program that can defeat him. And it's like, oh, oh yeah, you fucked up because now the now you're trapped in this computer that can give data a run for his money. It's the same kind of idea. Like you've, you're fucking with a security protocol here. And, you know, back on that medieval thing real quick, uh, what I think is interesting now, the woman he was going after was also a robot, correct? Yes. Okay, which means that the robots show are, are demonstrating some kind of free will. And I'm going to explain yeah. to you why. Because if they weren't, if she was programmed to say that in the beginning, then the Black Knight would have already been programmed to have that weakness. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? Because if not, they would never have had to make the adjustment because she would have, they would have said, oh, okay, yep, this is the 456 times somebody's going to have to fight the Black Knight. She's going to tell them whatever, and it's already programmed. There'd be no reason for him to make that on-the-fly adjustment. So it's kind of neat that they have this, they must have their own, you know, you know, 40 or 50 choices that the robots can actually make based on their programming compared to what the guest says. And that's kind of neat, and they didn't really anticipate it. So that's what I'm saying, like, there's 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 moments like this where I don't know if it's good if it's good writing or bad writing because if because you could look at it either way you know <laughs> yeah. depending on how generous you're feeling it could be brilliant writing in that they have free will in a little bit and that's what leads to the whole breakdown in the first place and that's kind of what exactly you see what I'm yeah. saying see I think that's the thing like you can't make a, an out there's no way to make you know they're trying to essentially make. In order to make them convincing, the robots, that is, and make it, oh, they feel real. It's like you're interacting with real people, fighting real people, having sex with real people. They have to at least seem like they have free will. And the thing is, you can't you can't halfway that. If you're going to make an algorithm to like basically be a choice algorithm so that the, the androids can think and make choices for their own, then it would make sense that, that that would be the part that gets out of hand and starts to correct itself, start to make its own adjustments and start to get more and more complex. And now they're just making whatever choice they fucking want because you gave them choice and that's going to only grow. Yep. In the, in the, and it starts to grow rapidly. Daphne refuses the guy. It starts, it starts with the gunslinger kind of just showing up and saying, Hey, mm -hmm. and then it moves on to Daphne refusing that guy. And uh, then we start to get into this whole rattlesnake thing. Cause we go back to our, main two characters the protagonists as it were john and peter and they're out out there in the plains hanging out and john gets bit by a rattlesnake and he's like that's <laughs> not supposed to happen like, he freaks out yeah he does and he's like well is it real and he's like hell no <laughs> everything's a fucking robot out here supposedly he that was a some kind of milk snake or milk snake and the bottom fangs actually got through the piece of clothing he was wearing that was supposed to protect him and he actually did suffer a little bit of a bite there oh wow in the real shooting in, the, in real life yeah crazy huh that's 
nuts. Don't, don't worry. Just get bit by a snake for this movie. I wonder if he's actually saying, that's not supposed to happen. That's a, what the fuck? <laughs> Cut. Captain, I'm getting a little woozy. <laughs> oh, I feel it in my legs. All right, everybody. I hate to do it to you, but I got to take a quick break because we got to keep the lights on over here at LSG Media and keep the podcast going. Right now you're panicking. You're panicking because you're thinking, damn, I'm halfway through this science fiction film podcast episode and I'm going to have to wait a week to get another one. It's going to be hump day. You're going to be pulling off your little footy pajamas with the bum flaps. You're going to be getting ready for work, brushing your teeth, hopefully. And you're going to be thinking, damn, you know what would get me through Wednesday? Another goddamn episode of the science fiction film podcast. What do I got to do to get these guys to put out more content? Well, here's what you do. Head over to patreon.com slash LSG media. That's P-A-T-R-E com slash LSG media and see what kind of monthly donation options that we have available. Because let's face it, this thing ain't free and the more money we get means the more time we get, which means the more episodes that you get. So imagine you're wiping the sleepies out of your eyes, you just get done with your, your shitty oatmeal and you go, damn, Wednesday and I got another episode. That's great. Hey, if you want to make that a reality, throw us a buck a month or 10 or 20 or whatever you can comfortably afford and you're going to get some more content. That is a problem. All right, back to the show. And then, of course, we hear the, uh, you know, this is inexcusable to injure a guest. Fix the snakes. You know, they're like freaking out in the programming room. (laughs) Logic circuits failed. They're not sure why. The chief inspector says that we need to shut it down. Safety's paramount. Even with the snake, though, they say, they don't say, oh, they're not programmed to bite. People, they're not supposed to actually bite. They say they're programmed to miss a strike. That's what the thing is. They're, They're programmed to be aggressive and act like snakes and strike at people, but they're programmed to miss. And so you could totally imagine, like, if this is some kind of like the way that the tech, uh, head tech describes it like this is some kind of evolving virus then it would be like okay that maybe the this snake's own free will algorithm that's programmed into it starts to just see that that missing thing that it's being programmed to miss as an error and it self-corrects and it starts fucking hitting the bullseye when it wants to yeah that's awesome man that's a great point i didn't even it i didn't think of it that that complexly that deeply i just was thinking like the fucking dumb snake should be programmed not to do that <laughs> but no because part of the authenticity of the park is for the snake to act like a fucking snake right yeah exactly that's, awesome. that's the thing like they can't they keep trying to half do the whole free will thing like we want to give stuff enough free will to look and act real but not like fully good carry through but that's just not going to work that limitation is going to get broken yep and then we get more cuts back to the medieval moments where we see this knight glaring at the guests across the dinner table <laughs> You're like, oh, shit. oh, that is that is an I'm going to skull fuck you tomorrow. Look, yeah. he's oh, giving yeah. it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the the here's one thing that they do in the control room. They and they start that bar fight. Right. Then they just say and start bar fight. And That's right. He's like, starts, and kick off the bar fight. And that guy's some dude just stands up on a poker table. He's like, cheater. And just fucking it goes from there. And then it's just like Haymaker City. Fucking 900 glasses get smashed over 900 heads. Seriously. Tables, chairs, people breaking shit. Total madness. <laughs> this and is a dangerous even- fucking vacation. You might catch a straight chair in the face. Fucking serious. And one of the, I can't remember if it was Brolin's character or Peter, gets a fucking chair over the back. And I'm like, God damn. I know. But, um, 
even uh, when Michael Crichton was talking about some of these scenes, especially, you know, the bar fight scene, he was saying it's like we filmed this in the way that campy 1950s Western Absolutely. movies were shot. And like that's because that's the thing. They're not indulging in a real life situation. It's a total they're wanting the Westerns they saw in movies. And that's why that's why I can even excuse like it's so funny watching any Western movie. I mean, some of the Clint Eastwood ones are better about this, like the, you know, good, bad and the ugly and everything. But they still have this flaw. Westerns from like the 60s and 70s, the cowboys are wearing like green slim fit slacks. <laughs> I'm know, like, I know. what the fuck, man? Like, that's not, you know, there was a whole, there was a movement that changed in Western movies in like, you know, the late 80s, early 90s with like the new realism. And it like actually looks like what the West would have looked like. Right. But it's excusable in this circumstance because you know these guys, these customers who come to the theme park, they want the West they saw from the movies. Like, that's what they're paying for. They want it to be this over-the-top brawl bullshit, smashing bottles. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous, and it's on purpose, and it's hilarious. It is hilarious. It's funny because, you know, my my father loves, like, those old-school Westerns, those black, black and white shit. And, like, I can see merit in some of that, especially some of the characters. Like, I understand his attraction to the strong, silent type, you know, the fucking Gary Cooper shit. Like, I get that. Hell yeah. Because it's cool. But, like, there's a camp to it that I'm like, man, this is so 50s or 60s. Like, it's so fucking campy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, and that's why, you know, when shit like Tombstone rolls around, you're like, this is fucking badass shit right here, you know? Exactly. Like, the clothes, the way they are, the way... You know, I remember the first time thinking, wow, cowboys swear. Like, that's when I watched Young Guns, you know, I was like, is this, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, they fucking did. They didn't, they weren't like these black and white cowboys, like the real, the real frontiersmen. Watch Deadwood for crying out loud. That fucking oh, show is so yeah. good. You know, even to the point where the swearing is ludicrous, but it's kind of like its own language. It was its own kind of thing. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's Oh, and you know, a quick aside, just because this is the science fiction film podcast and we might not get many chances to do this. I just got to recommend one Western. I feel like a lot of people haven't seen open fucking range, open range. Oh, you liked it, did you? Fuck yeah. Oh, that is a Western that that everybody needs to see. Duval and Costa. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Best shootout. Oh yeah. It's pretty good. I remember that. That's a good one. Um, I liked the I liked three ten to Yuma the remake. I mean I know that the was, good. was good too, but I liked the remake of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some good ones, man. There's some there's some good shit out there. And and I think what's cool about it, and I like this fusion of Western and in science fiction because it's kind of like a sci fi thriller, right? Because you're yeah. you're taking this Western element, but you're turning it into a thriller because you know it's a robot and it's after you, it's stalking you. So there's that kind of fear to it. That fear that inspired Mike Myers, according to John Carpenter. You know, this That's right. this film, this character that Yul Brynner plays is Michael Myers. That's where he got the whole idea of this relentless stalking enemy. And that never runs, it just stops towards you. I thought that too, right? That that walking and he's just I'm not in a hurry, I'm gonna get you eventually, you know? Exactly. But yeah, it's uh the the Western theme that the the quintessential, you know man against you know the 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 principled individual who's trying to make it in this world and trying to stay steer clear of the ruffians and you know he's kind of got this strong past and blah 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 like that's that shit's so cool to me like i like that 
I kind of like that strong, silent hero. And that's what the Western is. The Western guy didn't fucking cry about his feelings. He didn't, he didn't talk shit out. And, and I'm not saying there's <laughs> not merit in that, of course, because if you want to be a fucking Western con- gunslinger cowboy, good luck having an actual relationship with a woman for more than like three weeks. <laughs> but like, there's something cool about that. Like that whole frontiersman, that whole strong, independent man, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. Totally embodied in the character of Peter. I know. <laughs> oh, <boy>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh. totally embodied in the in the character of Peter, who sounds like this, by the way. Heard a discouraging word, and the skies are not cloudy all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this place is fun. You asked for that, sir. I know. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just joke. you know he's he's just like Clint Eastwood in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, <laughs> just like him, <laughs> Blondie for sure, Blondie. Yep. <laughs> anyway, so we get this moment where they start to work on these guys because there's a problem and they're trying to figure it out. So they're working on Daphne, working on her vagina. By the way, I I know. Right? I was gonna say they open up a vagina hatch and they're like, "Why weren't her girl parts all turned on by that piece of shit?" <laughs> they fucking open the vagina box and they start <laughs> fucking fiddling with wires down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. They open the box. They, they open the box and. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god I'm disgusting myself And then they tear (laughs) off What's his name's face And they're working on him Dude for 1973 That's some solid effects It was cool looking It was a nice little You can see the tricks they do Like how they put the cuts in Because the guy in the white coat Steps in front of that frame for a minute And that's when you know They do the old switcheroo (laughs) Exactly Love it though So they think they're going to fix these guys And this is when (laughs) I laugh hysterically at my computer uh, while I'm watching this, because we have the uh, the pretty awesome British accent from the Black Knight as he confronts the fat pedophile. Have a listen. <laughs> for thy doom, thy scurrilous knave, huh? No, wait a minute. Uh, can't we talk this over? What, have you no spine, Garnet? Well, I... Uh, Aha! The Queen! Maybe if I yell, they won't notice I have no accent. <laughs> <laughs> Beware, your scurrilous knave. You have he no spine. <laughs> he adds an accent to the last like quarter of each word. Yeah, That's about exactly. it. <laughs> and then, of course, we get this sword fight, which is is pretty terrible. And uh, they're, they're <laughs> hacking at each other's shield with really bent, really questionable craftsmanship here. Seriously. This is definitely uh, definitely not a Westerosian fucking forger here, not a weaponsmith from there, not a blacksmith. <laughs> right? They oh are all God. bent up and they go hack, hack, like slow ass hack. <laughs> and they're fighting. Oh, Next God. thing you know, this fat boy, who's probably a fucking accountant in his day job, He's already gassed out. I mean, they've been sparring for five minutes, and he's just like winded. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're going down. And then, boom, he gets run through, and I was like, yes, yes. Score <laughs> so one for the robots. <laughs> for the robopocalypse. But, no, that's the thing, too. Like, how do you po- – I guess you could program for it, but, like, the robots aren't going to get tired. Like, how do you top them on that? Like, they're never going to get sweaty or run down in a fight. They can just keep going forever. Yeah, that must be where you're live action sort of uh, programming comes into it. And that's something they probably should get on top of. Like 
they're, <laughs> you know, they should probably pay attention when uh, somebody engages in, uh, you know, some kind of combat with one of these things. They might have a guy over there with a kill switch if things get ugly. I know. One guy, like, they're watching. I was so surprised by their, like, nonchalance as they're, like, watching these fights. Like, one dude's just, like, stuffing a Pop-Tart in his face while he's watching them fight. And it's like, come on. <laughs> I know you I know you think it's foolproof and safe, but you should still be, like, cautious. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, things move right along when the gunslinger returns to get his revenge on Peter and John. This scene is fucking brilliant. Oh, I love that. I love how they're all, oh, God, not you again. We're hungover from that bar fight. Hey, hey, shitty Freddie Mercury. (laughs) Draw. Draw. Love that. That Yule Brenner voice, by the way, there's nothing quite like it. Dude, Yule Brenner, he fucking kills kills this role and he sounds if you ever see like hear him in an interview he's great and like he has like an almost romanian accent in real life like he sounds totally different like he he nailed his like kind of just like deadpan american you know cowboy accent yeah but yeah oh god i just love i love how they copied his character from you know uh the magnificent seven but just completely made him like the antichrist version of that (laughs) He's he's badass, man. I guess he was Russian or something, actually yeah. from Russia. And, and if he uh, looks vaguely familiar to anybody, if you're going, I know him from something else, I know him from something else, he was the fucking king in The King and I. That's where he only was Only 4,000 really- times. I know, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was looking at this uh, whole thing about it. Pretty, pretty sad. He died of lung cancer, man. Pretty rough. Oof. He, uh, he started smoking at 12. Wow, that'll yeah. do it. Yep, started smoking at 12, quit in 71, and uh, and died, died, still died, man. It still got him. He died in 85. Ah, so, uh, yeah, he smoked a long fucking time. And um, I watched the interview you sent me, and he was talking about how he's a, such a stickler for safety. And, That's and right. He used to be so, he was super, he was being interviewed by a guy named something Boggs, Barry Boggs or something Boggs. I just know the last name Boggs has made me think of that Sox player, Wade Boggs from back in the day. But <laughs> he, um, he, he interviewed him and he was talking about all the time he spent and 4,000 times he spent and how he's a stickler for safety and how uh, and that was like his big thing. And that's what, and he hated lazy people. Like that was, he was a fucking perfectionist man and yeah. um, a, a, a super pro. And uh, there was a moment where, there's a, another interview with him and you know, he's sick. You you can kind of tell he's thinner, but yeah. um, he, he wanted to do this thing. Actually, you know, he died the same day that Orson Welles did weird. Whoa. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, he wanted to do a, a public service announcement expressing his desire to make an anti-smoking commercial. And uh, <clears throat> it says here on you on, um, on Wikipedia, he looked directly into the camera for 30 seconds and said, now that I'm gone, I'll tell you, don't smoke. Whatever you do, just don't smoke. If I could take back that smoking, we wouldn't be talking about any cancer. I'm convinced of that. Damn. It's fucking haunting to watch on YouTube now, knowing that he's dead today. Fuck. He knew it, and he was recording it knowing it was coming. Damn. Fucking fearless, man. Dude. And another interesting thing he mentioned in one of um, his interviews, he was a circus performer when he was a young yep. kid. He was actually like, you know, a trapeze. trapeze. Crazy, yeah. huh? 
And what I thought was super interesting, he mentioned about how the first time he got interested in acting was watching the clowns and more specifically the mimes, like these mm. like generations of mimes that were in the in the circus then. Uh, and yeah, that's like, how like fam like fucking third generation mimes. They were like the best, you know, that's the thing. Like we, you know, we joke about mimes like it's a total meme now. But like actual, you know, I mean, that is a serious school of acting. Uh, and that's they, they have been really amazing mimes that have been in theater but it's very interesting that he started his acting watching mimes and learning pantomime and like acting through movement and expression only which is just perfect for this character and like he that i think that's why he kills it he doesn't have to say very much to convince you of of anything yeah and that voice and when he does speak man it's, uh, that it's that's some fucking Broadway shit right there, right? That booming voice that you have to get out, that you have to project out to an audience. Exactly. Damn, he's got such a great voice. He's he's um, I don't I I my appreciation for Yul Brenner is growing as I researched this as I researched this film because sure. you know he's not my generation. He was gone when I was when I was just a, a young boy, so I didn't yeah I didn't really know much about him. Other than I was like, who's this badass guy in Westworld? You know, I don't, I didn't know <laughs> shit about the King and I or anything like that. But when I, re, you know, he got an Academy Award and all this shit. But yeah, I mean, he did the fucking, uh, that, that, the 44,000 times, man. 4,500 <laughs> and something, I think he said. The oh, King and I. Crazy, crazy huh? Damn. <laughs> yeah. So he's a badass, no question yeah. about it. Brenner, Yule Brenner boners for days, oh, for yeah. sure. And he doesn't fuck around. He's like, your move. Bang! And he fucking shoots him. And I was like, holy fucking shit. Because I didn't remember anything about how this movie ended. Oh, I know. I, all I remembered is um, the pursuit. I'd forgotten how they actually, like, once they, once he gets up to him and how they fight. But right. uh, just, I know that he was just slowly stomping after him. And, but I love, oh, I love how he, because you can tell, even though they, they probably do some kind of reset on the androids every night or whatever, they're trying to do something like that. He remembers right. Peter getting the fucking draw on him. And that's why he's saying draw. Like awesome. fucking let me beat your ass this exactly. time. Exactly. And uh in 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 uh you know, John is like, I'm I'm shot. And he's fucking he can't believe it. He's in that state of panic and then blang, he gets shot again. And Yule Brenner does the most badass shit ever. He fucking twirls his gun, boom, into the holster. And I was like, Yes, <laughs> dude. Oh, I love violence. <laughs> I need to go to Westworld and getting your season pass for Westworld. Yeah, I need to go to I need to go to Westworld and drench a bunch of hooker bots and blow away a bunch of dudes. That's the only thing I can do. Oh God. So good. And then uh I love when he then looks at what's his name and he smiles. I mean, a real noticeable grin. We get a we get kind of a medium shot on him so we can see his nice smile as he's saying, I got you, fucker. Exactly. And then Peter, he's like, draw. And Peter just fucking runs away. Classic <laughs> badass protagonist Peter runs away. I love it. Oh, God. I love it. And then he just starts walking after him and Peter's just running. He runs terrible, by the way. <laughs> he's a terrible runner. Maybe it's the cowboy boots. I don't know. But man, when I watched him run, now I'm just being mean. Like everything he does at this point, I'm I'm not happy with. It. Now I'm just what being a petty. douche. Yeah, the way he fucking runs, puss. You should be fighting androids with lightning reflexes. <laughs> fucking a, uh. what a bitch. 
I would have fucking smacked you, Brenner, in his face, took his hat from him. <laughs> you guys should have seen me. I would have been like, hold me back. Hold me yeah. back. You're lucky my boys are here, son. <laughs> <laughs> I love du- 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 I love douchebag tough guy that's made it into our show a couple times now. I know. Yeah, it's going to have to. He's going to be recurring. He's going to live in the stable. He's uh, he's going to be in the stable with Mark Wahlberg and a few others, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking try to put me in a stable, kid. See what happens. Just hold me back. You're lucky these stable doors are here. <laughs> so, like you said earlier, the gunslinger ain't chasing anybody. He's just walking. Oh, yeah. And he's got, I mean, he's got those super, he bought a lot of upgrades at the upgrade fucking store, and he knows he doesn't have to do anything. I love that scene when, um, the, the one actually good, I, I don't fault Peter for this when he tries to lay a little ambush for him. Yeah, that was like, clever. That was yeah. That was like that was like that's a classic good back shooter move. He probably <laughs> shot Jesse James too. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking coward. Fucking coward. But uh, no, like I love how uh, you know Yule Brenner's character just comes up and just is not even anywhere even close. Just stops, listens, and he hears him breathing. He knows oh, he's up yeah. there. He knows he doesn't have to rush in. It's glorious. Oh, and then smash cut to the fucking Ides of March at Roman World. I <laughs> People know. People just getting slaughtered in the streets. What the I, fuck? Like, I couldn't tell if it was the robots killing each other, and I guess they were killing the customers, too. I guess it oh, didn't oh, matter yeah. anymore. Oh, yeah. They customers were, just, were going down. Oh, for sure, but you couldn't tell who was who. And then after Peter fails on an ambush, on his ambush, we get the most— Drops his gun. Dude, the glorious moment, right, of the gunslinger standing up on the cliff face with his 30-30 lever action just ripping shots at him. It's so <laughs> sick. It's such a great cowboy moment. Just— <laughs> You know, love it. Oh, hell yeah. I was like, this is great. Yeah, I actually wrote that in my notes. Peter sets up an ambush. I'll give him that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I pity him on this. I bestow my mercy. Can you clarify something for me? What's going on in the control room with people fucking sweating to death? Oh, well, because in in a panic, the lead technician was like, shut it down, shut down the power. Like they, they were like, oh, we can't turn off the Android. It's not responding. And he's like, well, then shut down the whole power grid, shut down everything. So uh, they cut off the entire power grid. Even And he's like, but these, <laughs> after they cut it off, the guy's like, but these doors are electric. How are we going to get out? And the lead technician's like, uh, figure out how to get open those doors. <laughs> <laughs> they should have just kept cutting back to him. They're all fucking butt naked in there, sweating <laughs> it out. <laughs> That's halfway. They were halfway to it and are like 17% oxygen. Frank's pulling his shirt off. Man, what a terrible design. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. So we got this moment where the gunslinger stalking around. He goes to Roman World. He's tracking Peter's heat prints, which I think is so cool. Yeah. Peter gets down uh. into the tunnel. And uh, he starts running around the complex. And I like this part a lot. This, is, this scene I really thought was cool. Um, before he gets there, though, he runs into this worker who's out there trying to do shit. And he's in the worker. Oh, dude, I hated that <laughs> the guy. Work, the worker says to him, here, have a listen. Everything's broken down. The machines have gone crazy. You know about the machines? Yeah, I repair them. There's one chasing me now, a gunslinger. Gunslinger. Must be a model 404, maybe a 406. He's a 406. He's got all the sensory equipment. <laughs> it's a beautiful machine. He's after me! I don't doubt it. <laughs> what can I do? There's nothing you can do. If he's after you, he'll get you. You haven't got a chance. There must be something. Fella, don't kid yourself. There are things you could try. Acid for his uh, visual system. Noise for his hearing. No matter what you did, he'll always be one jump ahead of you. 
You haven't got a chance. You haven't got a chance, kid. No chance. Just give it up. You definitely want to save your game here before you go any further. Yeah, right. <laughs> By the way, come to find out, if you throw acid on his eyes, it's a good thing. Thank you for telling me that. Do you have a fucking jar of acid laying around? And not only that, oh, acid's against, works well against robots' eyes. Wow, that's so interesting. Good thing it works against anything's fucking eyes. <laughs> right. You could probably chop his head off with a chainsaw or something. <laughs> you know, I think if you shoved a stick of dynamite up its ass and blew it apart, that might be its fatal weakness. If only you could get your hand on a shotgun and shoot him in the face. Oh, I took a bullet in the chest. Anything would work. Run him over or something. Cause oh, violence to fuck. him and you'll win. Thanks, pal. <laughs> I appreciate that. I love him getting offed. Fuck that guy. He was such yeah. a, <laughs> fuck that guy. That's when you know it's just full revolution mode for the robots. He's just like, I'm going to plug this guy with my rifle. <laughs> couple, of, couple of blasts to the chest. Uh, he's probably holding a grudge against that guy, too. He's like, I remember your ass pulling my face off all shittily. <laughs> right, right. You didn't. You had your fucking Cheeto, you had Dorito, fucking little Dorito <laughs> fingertips. <laughs> When you're pulling off my face, I remember that. Still got cool ranch dust inside my face circuits, asshole. Yep, yep. so much for that guy. <laughs> uh, and then the gunslinger just starts to run again <laughs> after figuring out where am I going to get terribly dangerous acids. Oh, wait, don't worry. They're down in the pit in multiple jars. Hydrochloric over here, this acid <laughs> over here. Lots of acid just kind of lying around, which is... Very convenient. Thank God they're so well labeled in grandma's old fashioned jars. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is that liquid sugar? Nope. <laughs> now, grandma, that's the acid. <laughs> we told you about that. So he, this part's cool though. I like when yeah. I like when uh, the gunslinger's walking down the corridor and it's like shadow on his face, off his face, shadow on his face, off his face. Like he's walking by those lights. It's really cool. And those silver fucking eyes. Yeah. Oh man. Awesome. That, that is how you that scene of him walking with the eyes glowing in, in the moments that it's dark, that is like straight out of Terminator. You know Terminator took that. Yep. And I gotta tell you something. This is something not many people are going to remember, um, unless they're my age or older. Or around my age. Back in the day when there were still arcades. There used to be arcades. Remember those? Before, I, before, before, <laughs> I used to go to arcades. Before, I'm not that fucking I know, I know. Before home consoles were better than arcade games. Um, there was this game, and this is a real primitive game. It was a quick draw game, and it was at this arcade in the local mall up here. And it was like live action people on the screen. So real people on the screen, right? And yeah. you had a gun in a holster. And the holster was like set up where you could stand next to it and they would be walking around and there'd be these different scenarios. It's the coolest fucking thing in the world. I can't believe I'm remembering as soon as you said those eyes. And I wonder if it borrowed from this movie because the point was is that you couldn't draw, you could, you could, but you would lose. You could draw your gun once their eyes flashed. Oh, nice. So it was like this live action video game and I don't remember the name of it. If somebody does, please tell me because I bet there's YouTube videos of it. Uh, nice. Their eyes would flash and then you could draw a bang and shoot at the screen and they would like read that like the image would react to the like you you get you you, you would outdraw them. It was so cool. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Pretty cool, man. But uh that was like and it wasn't like graphics, it was like this weird like silver like their eyes would flash and then you could draw and blast at them. Yeah, I remember those, those old full motion uh, video games that they were like actual, I mean, the original Mortal Kombat was like that. Yeah, yeah, except I think this was like actual people. 
like I know I know Mortal Kombat still was like graphic interface, wasn't it? It wasn't like there was yeah, it was it was there wasn't actual like movie looking images. Oh, maybe not quite as well, but I, there was the whole genre of well not necessarily genre, but a method of video games where it was like they filmed people and you like, know, like a they, roto motion they called it or something. Kind of. Yeah, the full motion video games. There's a bunch of the people there are some people who are like still super into those. Yeah. It's absolutely. like a cult thing. Roto, I think, wasn't that what they did Lord of the Rings with and, and shit like that? That Lord of the Rings animated movie was like that Roto motion. I don't know if I'm saying the right technology. But oh, I, I know like, what you're saying. Rotoscope. Yeah, yeah, Rotoscope. yeah. Rotoscope. That's it. That's it. Yep. Anyway. That's the stuff. So, yeah, I just, when you said those shiny eyes, man, I, I thought immediately back to that. It was so cool. <laughs> that blood boner <laughs> past flashes before you. Oh, arcades back in the day, taking kids' quarters. It's good <laughs> shit. <laughs> I got next game. All right, put your, put your quarter up there, son. <laughs> so, yeah, and then I do like this part. I thought it was clever when he laid down on the table. Oh. Peter's waiting oh, for him yes, with yes, the yeah, acid right. in his hand. He's Again, laying there. I guess we'll give Freddie Mercury that one. Yeah, we'll give him that one. Yeah, the, <laughs> at least he had the cards thrown in his face. For sure. No, that's the thing. Like, if, if this character redeems himself at all, it's in the last 10 minutes. It's for sure. Yeah. He splashes acid all over his face, and then he takes off. Oh, in the scene the of you, <laughs> <laughs> I seriously, yeah, I love how he just leaves as the as Yule Brenner's just kind of like still walking around, like it's not like he went down or anything, right? Uh, but I love oh that shot of Yule Brenner still just staring at him with the smoke coming around his face, like he's like, "Son, I don't feel pain. This shit don't hurt. I'm still coming for you." So cool, man. And then uh, Peter strolls into the medieval hall. The gunslinger is following after him. His face is kind of fucked up. And uh, we know that his perception has been altered because, and, and his Basically. gun is out of juice. It's out of battery power. Out of battery. <laughs> but I love how, yeah, like it, they, the guy mentioned earlier, he upgraded his eyes to infrared. So it's all heat based now. And that's what yep. fucks him up. I know. And uh, Peter was clever enough to stay still near the torches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shitty Freddie Mercury's becoming less shitty in the last 10 (laughs) minutes of the movie. Exactly. And then he just fucking cranks him with a torch and he goes up in flames. Oh, but can we talk though? I mean, Yule Brenner's character, he fucking pounced the second he heard a sound in that direction. He did. That was cool. Didn't hesitate. Yeah. So good. He burns him up. And then we get the strange. I I like it's the a weird cut. Of this movie. Yeah, there's weird editing at the end of this. Well, yeah, it's the editing and just the whole sequence really is actually. I like the sequence of him. Just doing, obviously, he's kind of in a way he's stuck. That's something we haven't talked about too. Like all, all the guys in the control room, he comes across them. You know, he looks into the door, and they're all fucking dead. Right, so right. the headquarters of this place is dead. Uh, the electricity's off. Don't really know how the hell he's going to get out of there. But uh, so, yeah, he's just kind of wandering through the the medieval castle at this point, And he hears that woman saying, help me. And he actually goes and tries to help her. Yeah. But by pouring water entry. in her mouth and electric and fucking and short fucking her. killing her. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I like that kind of like strange irony of like after fighting all of these, you know, he, the, the crazed robot and just getting out of there. He actually tries to help what he thinks is a person again. You know, he a, a little display of humanity, and even that fucking goes wrong, and he kills one of them. Yep, yep, that's a good point. And then we have, of course, the gunslinger's final hello. Black charred robot falls down. No face. Ah, scary. He's creepy, man. <laughs> 
Dude, that part when he reaches out to him and you see him burned b- completely black, that was fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah. That got that actually had me jump. Pretty cool. And uh, thus concludes it. Peter fucking gets out of there. They don't dick around with an epilogue. They just fucking roll the credits once he defeats uh, the gunslinger and you know he's going to make it. I love that. The zoom in of him sitting on the steps and that echoing of, boy, we have a vacation for you. Yeah, yeah. That's that was brilliant. nice. Uh so let's do this. Why don't we get to our Westworld comments and then we will uh, we'll give you our final thoughts. So let's do that. All right, Matthew, who do you got first in your comments? I have got Mr. Josh B. And he said, first time viewing this one. Totally cool. The gunslinger is so badass once he becomes unchained. And even in previous appearances, he is menacing and really builds tension well for when he goes T-1000 later. Yep. Speaking of that, he had to be some inspiration for that role. Exactly, Josh. He totally fucking was. And he said, if I hadn't known Michael Crichton was the man behind both movies, I would have thought Jurassic Park totally ripped off this <laughs> right. world. All we needed was Goldblum describing how chaos theory works with robots. Um, so, yeah, you see, um, uh, androids find a way. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then <laughs> he concludes with, uh, worst job in Delos, the junior android maintenance operator who has to spend the night shifts cleaning countless guests' loads out of the sex models. <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, it's probably not too bad. You know, they've built a specialized suction pump. He just attaches to all of them. <laughs> like a fucking conveyor belt. <laughs> it's just the Swedish, it's the Austin Powers Swedish and larger penis and larger pump, but it's just for sucking loads out of <laughs> robot vaginas. Imagine seeing that trough of biology. Oh, oh my word. Uh, by the way, uh, when when uh, I had read that email ahead of time, so I pulled a clip that is that is a reward for for Josh's email because the end of his email was so fucking funny, and that's uh, this uh, when he said it, I was instantly reminded of uh, Kevin Smith uh, when he wrote the film Clerks, and uh, there's a ah, yes. dialogue that takes place. Here's a quick clip of that dialogue. Have a listen. You know how much money the average jizz mopper makes per hour? What's a jizz mopper? He's the guy that cleans up the nudie boots after each guy jerks off. The jizz mopper's job is to clean it up after each guy shoots a load. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought of when Josh said that. Ah, <laughs> uh, the junior J- uh, Delos jizz moppers. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> awesome. Uh, All right. Awesome. Uh, Damaris says, I was really young when I first saw this, but I distinctly remember that it wasn't until I saw the gunslinger's face come off that I got super creeped out. Up until that point, I kept thinking, they're not really robots. And then, like a typical little girl, feeling bad that everyone except Richard Benjamin died, even the robots. Watching again, I enjoyed it even more. Maybe because a lot went over my head as a kid. The sex bots, Roman world, probably (laughs) kind of like Caligula, and the intensity that the music brought to just about every scene. Yes, uh, music that sounded a little bit like this. Have a listen. Love that score, man. Love it. And then she continues by saying, I'm looking forward to the HBO production. I haven't done much research on it, hoping they make it just as well as their other great shows. And she goes on to name many, many of the great HBO shows. Yeah, I I think that's intriguing. I'm I'm curious, but I'm not going to lie. I'm really wondering how the hell they're going to make a series and make mm. that uh, the the concept not get flimsy after a while. They made a there was a show in 1980 or so uh, that 
only aired three episodes. It only actually had five. It's still available to get. Um, ah, glad it had staying power. Oh, it was terrible, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, what what would make it cool? I, I don't know. Like maybe they'll have a situation where some of them like get out of the park and they start blending in. They got to go after them or something. Blade Runner risk. Who knows? I don't know. They, they can't yeah. all be on Westworld. <laughs> they can't all be at the theme park, right? Yeah. Oh God. What what would that? be amazing if this is just a long complicated prequel to blade runner this is the origin <laughs> right? of the replicants absolutely <laughs> time to die <laughs> what do you got next i have got mr john de greither lay it he on said, me i love this film i remember it being fairly brutal with a high body count and i love the way the utopian theme park turns into a nightmare this is similar to another work by Michael Crichton, Jurassic Park, not just with the theme park gone wrong motif, but in its broader themes. The idea of man's arrogance to create scientific discoveries without stopping to think whether we should. Where's Goldblum when you need him? For fucking sure. Yeah, awesome. Uh, also, the manhunt towards the end of the film where Yul Brynner's crazed cowboy, cowboy cyborg tracks the main protagonist is pretty awesome. Yeah. Damn straight. Agreed, sir. I've got Ken Bizarro, one of my favorites. John Carpenter suggested that Mike Myers was based on the Relentless Gunslinger. Yep, we got that. The Gunslinger's look was also based on his character, Magnificent Seven, which you said. And then uh, this is a really good point he makes. The moment when the Gunslinger starts looking around the castle banquet hall, having lost sight of Richard Benjamin, is his favorite moment. Because he says he seems momentarily confused by the setting. And then he zeroes in on Benjamin's heat signature. That's a good point. You know, he kind of looks around... And he's like, what the fuck is this? Because he's never been there, right? He's never left Westworld. So we're seeing this like android that now has some kind of free will taking in new surroundings, completely unfamiliar surroundings and trying to process that information. I think it was also because there were lots of other torches in the hall. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe that's true. <laughs> Just to take a big wet dump on you guys' fun theory. <laughs> All right, who do you got next? Uh, I have Becky Willis, one of first my time, favorite. First time writer in, by the way. Welcome to the show, Becky. Thanks for Hi, listening Becky. and thanks for participating. Well, she said, one of my favorite films from when I was a, <laughs> when I was a wee nipper. Oh, Becky, you are delightfully British. Uh, BBC <laughs> Two, that's good old Blighty, you know. Used to have Jesus uh, special- Christ. I know. <laughs> I, have to, I feel like I had to had to serve on a pirate ship in the 1700s to understand her. <laughs> oh, master and commander, where do we need you? Uh, <laughs> she goes on to say, uh, "Used to have uh, the BBC used to have special seasons of cult films such as sci-fi and horror with the likes of Soylent Green. Ooh, that's when we need to fucking it's do. on the list." Ah, hell yes. Uh, Andromeda Strain, The Satan Bug, Omega Man, and of course, Westworld. My love of the genre grew because of my nocturnal and secretive viewing of these on a black and white TV. (laughs) That's badass. (laughs) I kid you not. Uh, I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Good shit. Thank you for that. And thanks for writing in, you filthy pirate. All right. (laughs) I've got John E. Hewitt Jr., the movie is great, and Ed Harris is a perfect replacement for Brenner. Hmm. Oh, is that who they've cast? I don't know. I'm going to have to check. The guy's oh, only fuck. played the badass old cowboy for like his past billion films. Yes, that is so true. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, who do you got next? I've got Mr. Mark Stepanik. 
It was great when I first saw it. A little campy now, though still watchable. Have read every book Michael Crichton's ever read written since. Brilliant. Awesome. All right. I think it holds up. I do think it holds up. It does. It does hold up. Uh, so Westworld TV series. Here we go. Here's a cast of characters to whet everyone's appetite. If you haven't got HBO now yet, I don't know. I can't help you. If I mean, if you're not watching Game of Thrones, Matthew, I can't help you. <laughs> I can't help you through life anymore. If I, I just if if your life fails, then I'm going to say you should have watched Game of Thrones. All right. Anthony Hopkins. He's going to be in it. Holy shit. James Marsden, Evan Rachel Wood, Jeffrey Wrights, Sandy Newton, Miranda Otto, Ed Harris as the man in black, a mysterious villain. Fuck yes. There it is. Oh, that is awesome. That must be him. Yeah, that's great shit, man. Awesome. Oh, man. and Anthony Hopkins. Damn, I'm, re- I'm intrigued. They got me. I know. Crazy, man. Crazy that TV is starting to attract these people because it's better. Yes. It's just Damn better. straight. It's better. It's too- like these series are just better than movies. I'm sorry, people. That's just the reality. You can explore them so much deeper in the bullshit that Hollywood's putting out. Like this, this, it's just nonsense half the time, uh, you know? I think, well, that's the thing. I think movies are getting better, but only because recent television has fucking challenged the them pressure to raise the bar. Yeah, you're right. And there's plenty of great movies that come out and indie stuff and all that fucking, yeah, I get it. Take your head out of your own ass. I get it. Yes, I know. But but no, I, I'm totally on board. I mean, True Detective, Mad Men, are you oh, kidding man. me? This is some of the best stuff that's been on a screen in 50 years. That's good shit. Um, are you up or am I up? I'm up, oh, right? No, I'm done. All right. Uh, Chris Brown says, this I... film kicks ass. My favorite part <laughs> is Richard Benjamin. First of all, I got to stop you right there, Chris. Your first part should not involve Richard Benjamin, okay? <laughs> but I'm going to continue your, your comment. Shitty, Shitty Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Mercury. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want it all. All right. My favorite part is Richard Benjamin stalking through the corridors in control room, realizing that everyone else is dead. Yeah, oh, that's true. So Richard Benjamin being afraid. I guess I can get behind that, Mr. Brown. The yeah, only I mean, you know what? It probably would have helped him in that scene if he had a bicycle, bicycle. <laughs> Ah <laughs> uh, shit! The only problem I have with this film is the fat bottom girls. You m- oh sorry. The only problem. Oh I god, have with this the email's gonna go on for another hour. Everyone, hold on. Uh, shit. Uh, the only problem I have with the film is I keep waiting for Richard Benjamin to don sock puppets and try to strangle one of the sex bots. <laughs> what? I don't know. That's a reference to a film that he was in that I don't get. So well done, <laughs> sir. You've completely confounded me. You've out-referenced us, sir. I will walk away and retire. Somebody, when you listen to this, needs to hit me up on Facebook and tell me what the fuck that this smart Chris Brown fellow is referring to because I have yep. no idea when he says sock puppets. I don't know what he's I don't get about. that reference, and I want to. <laughs> I want to, but I don't want to just Google it. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to rely on you guys to educate me, to educate my dumb ass. <laughs> all right mr anderson give me final thoughts on westworld oh man like i was saying like i was saying in the beginning this is it's always been a classic sci-fi for me and i hope i really hope even if the new series just blows ass i hope it points people's attention back towards this movie i think it's one that needs to be watched i think it deserves a place um you know like we we've already mentioned it was an extreme influence on um Michael Myers, the character in Halloween, uh, James Cameron watched this and, and designed the Terminator around Yul Brynner's character. Those two things alone, especially Terminator, since it is sci-fi, that has influenced film in such a major way that I think it deserves a place in, like, sci-fi canon of, like, it's an influencer, it matters. Like, so much of the ideas in this are ahead of their time uh, as far as, like, other 
you know, coming movie tropes. It's just excellent. It fucking nails it, man. I I really love this movie. Nice. I really like, I, I have already explained to you folks where Westworld was in my past and how I've rediscovered Westworld. Here's what I am going to say. A little bit of the shine has come off. Only a little bit. Because there's a couple of times where we were about, there was one point in the movie where I was 45 minutes in and I was like, what's this movie about? Like the main characters didn't really have a goal for a long time. And that was one of the things I was like, how come they don't have a goal yet? But mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. aside, I, uh, I quit the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, no, I, 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 I agree. One of the things like, I think you really have uh, a point on there is how there's like one moment of characterization in this movie where he's like, Oh, your wife took you for a ride. You need to get over that. That's it. Like that's as yeah. far as backstory we get. And it felt kind of jammed in there as if they needed something. So that's true. I, I actually kind of agree with that because it's not, let's, let's be real. If we want to compare Westworld to something like moon, this is not a character piece. This has, we oh, no. The characters are irrelevant. Why do you think I'm cheering for Yul Brenner the whole time? Because I don't give a shit about the characters, <laughs> which makes me like it a little bit less. The, the, this, is a, this is what I call a plot or an idea-driven film versus a exactly. character-driven film. If I watch the film Moon, I'm curious as to what happens to Sam Rockwell's character. I want to know. I'm, I care about him. I'm, I'm invested in the Sam Rockwell character. So if I want to get really nitpicky and objective, I can say that something like Moon is is light years beyond this in terms of a character piece and in, in invoking some emotional response out of me other than pumping my fist in the air and saying, go get him, Yul Brenner. Cheering for the yeah. bad guys does not... It does not bode well for the characters you've written in the movie, but it's not a character movie. It's an idea movie. It's, it's science fiction in that they're showing us technology to run amok combined with this kind of Western motif. And it's cool, you know? And that's what yeah. I like about it. I enjoy this movie. I enjoy the fact that it is a science fiction thriller with a, a Western motif. You know, it, it's no secret that John Carpenter kind of based the Yule Brenner character of the gunslinger uh, you know, he based Mike Myers on that character. That's it's that relentless. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Mm. My only concern was, is I didn't really care if he got Richard Benjamin or not. Do you know what I, yeah. I, I kind of wanted him to, to be honest with you. And exactly. that would, and then, and then you could really drive the point home and say, see how fucked up this whole thing is, you know? So that was the only yeah. thing I didn't like. I liked the idea of the Western world. I liked the way it opened. I, I liked that I could mute this movie and fucking get it. That's good screenwriting to me. For sure. I think, and, and we talked a little bit about it earlier of how, you know, this is a good structure, a well-structured movie and Michael Crichton right. was a surprisingly good director. But I do think like it's kind of in his wheelhouse to write very plot driven things and it's sure. very much, sure. this is a, this is an interesting setting. This is an interesting concept. Let's just explore that. The characters, eh, they're just our, you know, ciphers to be along for the ride but um and that's why i think jurassic park is a better movie in the sense of like it will stand the test of time yeah as a classic that will never you know like we talked in the beginning of like this is kind of it's been in danger of being forgotten uh, you know in certain ways and i think jurassic park doesn't have that danger because the characters are written better and i think that movie benefits from having been based on a Crichton book that is adapted by other people and directed by fucking steven spielberg and i think right. you know and I, as much as i like we were saying i like the direction of this movie in a lot of ways but the script could have probably deserved uh a, a de- maybe some better writing from somebody in the sense of the characters but does it really need it for this movie i don't know yeah, and I've listen. I've criticized Lucas in the past for insisting on writing and directing, and how that can be pr- problematic because no one is really, you know, you're not getting a lot of that external like feedback. 
and now, and I'm not saying that happened in this. I, I would be, that'd be wild speculation otherwise, but I do know Lucas ruled with an iron fist. I mean, yeah. at times, especially with the, with the, with the, with the prequels, right? I mean, that, that was Ugh, a huge yeah. problem. It was too much. Like it's all about him. Whereas this, I can't, I'd be lying if I said that's what happened here because he was the writer and director. And I'm not comparing this to the prequels. This is light years better than that. <laughs> I, it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I really do enjoy it. But I do think you're right. I think if you want to compare it to Jurassic Park, I, it, Jurassic Park, I think, is is a better film in that the characterizations are better. You care a little bit more about the characters. They're more likable. You know what I'm saying? They're more yeah. likable people. Uh, For sure. And that's that's just the reality. Not to mention, and I don't know if I don't know if Westworld did this when it came out because I didn't experience it when I was 18 in 1973 because I wasn't alive yet. I don't know if this turned the world upside down with its cool ideas. I'm mm. sure it would because <laughs> there's a lot of there's let's not take away the idea, okay? Yeah. It it's before fucking computers. Before nineteen seventy three. There's no Star Wars. There's exactly. so much shit didn't exist yet. And he fucking this shit came out of his fucking mind. And that is a huge accomplishment for me in general. That's massive. Seriously. Right? That's that's incredible to think about. I but agree. I don't know. I don't know if it did what Jurassic Park did to Hollywood, which is go, holy shit, have you seen this fucking crazy movie? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The and special I don't think effects and yeah. the fucking dinosaurs and the this and the that and the fucking you know, the, the merchandising and all this shit. And, and, you know, I, I know, I know that the 93 or whatever the fuck is different than 73. You know, we're talking 20 <laughs> years later, a lot of advancements, blah, blah, blah. I get all that shit. But to make my final thoughts drawn out a little less, although it's too late for that, <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie and I think it's a solid flick. I will watch it again. And I do think people should watch it because there's too many good things going on for you not to watch it. You're probably not going to love the characters. You're probably going to be ruined for Yule Brenner's gunslinger, just like I was, and that's okay because <laughs> you know it's it's cool like that. Badass, fun to watch, fun to watch. All right, folks, we really appreciate you uh, hanging around with us. We will see you next time. And uh, next time, do you know what we're doing, Matthew? Do you remember? Do you remember what's coming uh, up, oh. buddy? Do you <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Yes, I do. Uh-huh. Alien motherfucking nation. Yes, Mandy Patinkin and James Caan coming at you next Monday. And uh, I'm looking forward to that film. That's another film I watched in high school. So we're going to be really tapping into my high school years here. So Nice. Make sure you join us. Make sure you check us out. Stick around after uh, my blathering to figure out how to get a hold of us. And uh, that's it. All right, people. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm.